So the last word, last words matter most. And I invite you, grab your copy of the scriptures or your phone or iPad or whatever may be the case. Let's turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 19. The Gospel of John in chapter 19. And we're going to look at verses 16 to 30. Now this is the account by John under inspiration of the Holy Spirit of what happened at the crucifixion. And this is obviously a moment in history, but it's a moment of destiny. And the last words of Jesus Christ spoken here are so impactful for us and ones that we need to embrace and so in John's account, I just want to read these, starting in verse 16 of chapter 19. Follow along as I read. It mentions, finally, Pilate handed him, that's Jesus, over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus, carrying his own cross. He went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross, and it read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I've written, I've written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, which the undergarment with remaining, the, the garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said, they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene, when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple, whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here's your son. And to the disciple, here's your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, Here's the last words, folks. It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head 
and gave up his spirit. Today we interact with some of the last words of Jesus Christ as he hung on the cross. These are words spoken through some of the greatest physical anguish and some of the greatest emotional effort known to mankind. And you know, we've, we've heard these words, we've read these words, we've seen these maybe depicted and enacted in so many situations. They are not new to us. They are undoubtedly probably some of the most significant words we could have ever heard from the lips of Jesus Christ. And they've stuck. We know them. We need to remember them. They need to resonate in our mind. They need to resonate in our hearts. Say them with me, friends. It is, say it again, it, they need to stay. Back in April 8th of 1966, Time Magazine ran this cover and it rocked the world. It got the most ever letters to the editor, over 3,500 written letters to the editor. It was the buzz of all pulpits across the nation. It was the chatter in every school and every college institution, is God dead? And you know, so some people had seen the crucifixion depicted. Some people had this idea, you know, maybe that was just the end. And so we need to understand, although he said it is finished, we need to realize can I, I just need to get this across. He didn't say, I am finished, okay? He didn't say, I am finished. In fact, it's the farthest thing from the truth. You realize in a week, we're going to get back together, and we're going to be celebrating the reality that he's not finished, that there is an empty tomb, that he did rise from the grave. And then there's more evidence that he is not finished, because beyond that, he took a group of cowards that were in an upper room that didn't dare open their mouth they were scared of being taken and killed themselves and he took a bunch of cowards and he turned them into champions for the sake of the gospel showing he wasn't finished and then he took a seed and he ended up making a church a people a royal priesthood and here we are 2,000 years later, a global phenomenon of people that believe in Jesus Christ. And so obviously it is not, he is not finished. And then every time someone's life is changed, he is not finished. Every time someone comes to faith in Christ, it shows he is not finished. Every time addictions are broken in the name of Jesus Chains are broken, lives are made whole, relationships are healed, people look more like Christ. Every time that these things happen, it's evidence he's not finished, and it's evidence that it is finished, that what he came to accomplish did happen. 
And so we need to encounter these words, it is finished. We need to understand what did he mean when he hung on the cross and said, it is finished. And so let's just interact with this for a moment. The words that we say in English, it is finished, is actually one word in the original language. And here's what that is right here. It is finished is actually one word. It is to telestai. And the word may not be very familiar to you. Maybe possibly you've heard it from time to time. It was actually a common word back in the first century, and it was spoken in a number of different contexts. I'm going to tell you four contexts in which this word was used, and you're going to understand quickly that um, not only did they understand it, and the way Jesus used it, it all made sense how we're going to hear it today. So here's the four ways that the word was used back in Bible days. The first way, it was used of, of slaves. It was used of slaves when they would talk to their master. And so even Jesus used it, I believe it was in John 17, 9. Jesus used it talking about him following the commands of his master, God the Father. And so whenever a, a slave received the commands of the master and then they went and carried out the orders of the master, when they would come back to report, they would say to Telestai. It's, it's all been done. It's all been completed all the way to the very detail that you asked me to do. And so you can understand if, it was, if Jesus used it is finished to tell us die on the cross in this way, it would make sense. I have completed the very orders that the Father sent me to do. And he even said this of himself when um, when in his earlier ministry, you know, I have come, my mission is to do the will of the Father who sent me. Another way that this word to tell us I was used was by priests. And so um, priests would take animals for sacrifice and they would have to inspect them because, you know, not just any animal would go through for sacrifice. And so they had to be animals that were without blemish without defects they didn't want maim animals or animals that that were um that had problems you know only the best would be sacrificed to god these are representative of of a future sacrifice of jesus himself and so a priest would look over these animals that were going to sacrifice and when they were approved as acceptable sacrifices and, and without any blemish or defect, they would end up saying, okay, to tell us die, completed. They are acceptable to be able to be sacrificed to God on behalf of the people. And so even in this way, you can see this analogy for Jesus Christ as he hung on the cross. To tell us die, it is finished. Jesus would certainly be that lamb that was without blemish or defect, he was the perfect lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world, slain for our sin. Here's a third way that this word was used back in biblical days. It was used of an artist after they completed a picture or a sculpture or some kind of a manuscript, and there was nothing more to be done. So basically, imagine um, an artist having a sculpture, and they just got done with all of it after spending 
maybe months, maybe even years on it, and they would go ahead and they would put their tools down, and it was completed, and they would look it over, and they would say, to Telestai, everything that I've been working on, I had a vision from the beginning of what it needed to be, and I've crafted it with my hands, and finally, after all of this time, it ended up being exactly what I said it would be. I'm, I'm done. It's done. It's completed. And so even in that way, imagine God, God the Father from even before the world began, because God said the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. God even said in Genesis 3.15 that there would be one who would come, the seed of a woman who would end up crushing the head of the serpent. And so God had this divine artful plan of redemption and he put the whole thing together and when jesus hung on the cross god as the divine artist of redemption said you know what to tell us die complete done but then there's a last way there's the last way that this word to tell us die or it is finished is used back in bible days and this one has so much picture and description to it that I, I want to give it to you and this is where we're going to finish up today and it was by the merchant and you know everything in bible days orbited around merchant everyone went to the 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 merchant everyone went through and purchased things you know and and got their wares and they got their food and and they had an exchange of monies for what they needed and so when they would go and they would get things and, and they would give their money and they would get their food, the, the merchant would end up saying, okay, they would look and say, it would be this much money and I gave you that. Then they would say, okay, to tell us die. And here's what it meant. Paid in full. Paid in full. Now we do this today. Uh, you go to the store, and it's going to be this much money, and you pay that much money, and then you get a, you get this receipt, don't you? I can't remember the name of the oil change place on 31, but I love when it wasn't long that we were here, they had up on their little board a phrase, and I just thought it was the funniest thing in the world. Um, I've never forgotten it. It says, free receipt with every purchase. Boy, isn't that nice of them. You get a receipt. And it's your proof that you have paid in full what you needed to pay for that product. Now, sometimes a receipt is a nuisance. Sometimes you're like, I, I don't need this thing. You know, I, I, go to, I go to Roy's, I get my two pieces of pizza and my uh, Lipton iced tea. And, um, and I go up there, and I pay for it, and then um, they say, do you want your receipt? Like, I'm not going to return it. <laughs> so I say, nah, you know, I don't need the receipt. Now, I go to Costco. Okay, Costco, we got some other kind. Keep your receipt, people, or you don't leave the store. You with me? Like, you know, you have to show your receipt. 
And then they look over everything in there and they say, okay, have you paid for everything in your basket, in your cart? Because they want to make sure that you haven't left with something that you haven't paid for. Is it really paid in full? Or are you leaving with something that you didn't pay for? So this is, this is what Jesus ended up saying when he got to the cross, when he ended up dying, when he gave up his spirit, he said this word. It was so significant because he ended up saying and declaring to everyone around, and then it's been written for all of eternity to know that Jesus said this. Paid in full. All of it. Nothing has gone unpaid. He's covered it. Now the question is, what did he pay in full? Let me just give these things to you quickly. Number one, humanity is indebted in sin. Here's the debt. Here's what needed to be paid. Our sin has put us in opposition and at odds to a perfect and holy God. And none of us is escaping this. There's two passages of Scripture that just ring loud and clear. Romans 3.23, all have sinned. And by all, it means all. Every one of us, all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, because of that, what we deserve, the wages of sin is death. We're goners. All of humanity is indebted in sin, and that includes every single one of us sitting in here and every single one of us on the other side of the camera lens. Every one of us is indebted in sin. Here's the other reality. Humanity can't pay for its own debt in full. They have tried. You know, we understand, we experience this reality that, whoa, I, am, I have a problem with God. What can I do to take care of it? And we've tried to take care of it. And all throughout history they have tried. They've tried with sacrifices. They've tried to appease God in so many different ways. And it's not merely what we discussed in Hebrews in times past with the sacrifice that way. But, but people of all civilizations have done things to try to appease God and appease the gods. But here's the reality of Jesus and and if I can jump a couple slides here, Isaiah 53, 5 is the absolute mic drop of all mic drop verses. Can we just say this thing together? Because it shows the reality. He didn't die for his sin. But he died for ours because we can't pay for ours on our own. So here's, let's just say it together. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are, so the truth is, pierced for ours. 
crushed for our. He was there for our transgressions, our iniquities, not there for his own. And then here's the third reality of the paid in full. When something is paid in full, you stop paying. When something's paid in full, you stop paying. This is stated over and over throughout Scripture. I love Hebrews 10, 11 to 14, and it mentions boldly, if I can just pop this out there, day after day, Every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But notice this. But when this priest, as Jesus had offered, look at these words, for all time, one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Listen to these words. For by one sacrifice... He is made perfect. What's the next word? Forever. Those who are being made holy. So you know what? He done it. And when something's paid in full, you don't need to do it. And some people say, how do I make it up to God? What penance do I need to do? And here Jesus is like, boom, I did it all. Like, you don't need to gain God's approval. You don't need to pay for your sin. You don't need to bear your punishment for your sin. You can't make yourself right with God and accepted by God. Put your spiritual wallet away. You don't have enough money to cover it anyway. Your money is no good here. It's only by believing that Jesus Christ paid All of your sin debt when he died on the cross, period. That's what it is finished means. I don't need to pay for something that he already paid for. That's what it means in my head. Now, what does it mean in my heart? What does it mean in my heart to really believe that it is finished? I want to tell you three things, and then we'll be finished here as we uh, conclude our time together. I want to deal with guilt. I want to deal with guilt. Number one, don't pay the bill. Don't pay the bill. I want to talk to people that may be dealing with guilt. Still feeling in their heart like, you know what, I've done too much. I've really screwed up. How could God ever forgive me? Like, how 
Could God ever accept me? What do I need to do additionally for him to really love me? Like, I really crossed the line. And I need to reach out to you because I know you may know it up here. Here's where you need to know it is down here. And what you need to know is everything that you've ever, ever, ever done is paid in full forgiven by Jesus Christ. When Jesus said paid in full, he meant paid in full. Listen, it's paid in full. Can you think of your worst, nastiest, Thing that you'd never want up on the big screen behind me? And would you say with me out loud right now, it's paid in full? It's paid in, it's paid in full. If you believe that Jesus Christ bore your sin on the cross, it's paid in full. Stop paying the bill. You don't need to do things to appease God or earn his approval. That was done by Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. But I sinned. Yeah. I have too. I need to make it up to God. That's what Jesus did. You need to agree with God that the bill was paid by Jesus. Ask his forgiveness, but you believe it, you accept it, and then you live a life to thank him. I love what Paul said in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Just look at this. It says, it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. So all of that is by Jesus. And here's where our works come in. It's not to be accepted by God, but we end up doing our works because we are God's handiwork. And he created us to do these things which he prepared in advance for us to do. We do these things to thank him. We do these things to show our love for him. But we don't do works to gain his approval. Jesus paid it in full. He deals with our guilt. Here's number two. He also deals with our pride. And here's the second phrase I want to give you. We don't deserve to be here. He deals with our pride. So we've already said it's paid in full. We need to remember it. So say it again with me. It's paid in... Okay, so here's the next thing you need to say. I don't deserve to be here. Ready? I don't... Yeah, we don't deserve to be here. Now, if you want to really have fun, turn to your neighbor and say, you don't deserve to be here. Yeah, I know. 
yeah, I know. That, <laughs> that might make you feel a little proud by saying that, so maybe don't say that. You know, we just got done saying the only reason why we're here is someone else paid our bill. It's amazing in church, though, even though the only reason why we're all in here is because someone else paid our bill, like none of us deserve to be in the body of Christ because of ourselves. Someone else paid our bill. But sometimes Christians walk around like it's lifestyles of the rich and famous, you know? Like, look at me. Look how awesome I am. When really, it's, <laughs> that's baloney. Like, you're not here because of you. Someone paid your way in. Like, what are we walking around here like that for? Instead of lifestyles of the rich and famous, this should be more like, you know, Oprah's My Favorite Things, where you get free stuff that you didn't deserve. And we can't believe it. And this, this whole thing attacks our guilt. It is finished, attacks our guilt, and it should attack our pride. Like, church should be oozing with crazy humility. It should be the place of embrace. It should be the place of, of acceptance and kindness of, hey, sit next to me. Of sharing, of patience, of bearing with one another, of deferring, of love, of meeting needs, of thinking of others, of affirming, of caring. I mean, that's the whole core of this thing. Because it is finished means I didn't get here on my own. Someone paid my bill. And it, it kills our pride. Here's number three. Strikes at our guilt, don't pay the bill. Strikes at our pride, we don't deserve to be here. And strikes at our purpose. And here's what it is. Share the wealth. Share the wealth. We don't lose anything. By sharing the wealth personally with someone you know. In fact, it's almost like it multiplies. When we pray for others, when we invest in others, when we invite others into the kingdom. And I just want to encourage you, you know, this is this is the best week ever to share Jesus ever. You know, this is the time where you can have someone over for dinner or where you can have coffee with someone or where you can invite them to Good Friday or to Easter or just befriend someone to earn the right to help nudge them in their next step with Jesus Christ. But because it is finished because the debt is paid in full. We have the blessing to share the wealth, to share it with others. It strikes at our purpose. That's at the heart of this thing. Hits our guilt. Stop paying. He paid it. Just believe it. Embrace it. Strikes at our pride. It's a place of humility. Strikes at our purpose. Would you stand with me? I don't know how God's touching your heart with this, but he's touched mine. 
And his last words, the final words, are the starting words for us. Here we go. Let's do this. In the name of Jesus Christ, we have a purpose. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Spirit, may his last words start something special in our hearts today. May we embrace all that he's done. Thank you for the finished work of Jesus. May we believe Stop paying on our own and live a life of gratitude to Jesus Christ. Help us to share, to invite others into your kingdom. Thank you for the work of Christ. And together, everyone says, Amen, Amen, and Amen.